Um, just because this is going on the internet, and uh, someone prank calls me every Sunday night at 11 p.m. So that's someone in the room. Um, I haven't decided yet. Is it you? No. I'm looking at you. I can't figure out who it is. I'm working it down. But like the last three weeks, every Sunday at 11 p.m., someone prank calls me. I can't decide if it's funny or annoying. I haven't made up my mind yet. Usually it's annoying because I'm like already asleep. Sundays I'm going to sleep super early because I'm just exhausted from the day. And so um, by 11 o'clock, I've been asleep for like two hours solid. And so it is really jarring to have my phone go off. Um, it's usually kind of funny though. So like I'm not annoyed yet if this is you. So you're okay for now. I'm gonna get annoyed at some point in time, but you'll know when I get annoyed. Don't worry, don't worry. All right, if you have your Bibles, uh, we're not gonna turn anywhere in them yet. Um, we are eventually gonna end up in Romans chapter 14, and so if you just really feel the need and the urge to flip through some pages, you can flip to Romans chapter 14. I have a bunch of content that I wanna try to get in 10 minutes. So my goal is I'm gonna stay here, I'm gonna talk to you for about 10 to 12 minutes, and I'm gonna run through my points, and then we're gonna sit down and actually do this together. So, uh, where I, 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 as this is like our third year doing this how to read the Bible thing. For uh, every year in January, for the last three years, this has been our thing, we just sit down and talk about how do we actually understand this book, because we're people of the book, right? This is how we encounter God, this is how we hear God's voice, this is how we learn everything that we need to know about Jesus, about our faith, about ourselves, it all comes from here. Like, obviously, you heard last week's sermon, I need to preach that again, how we use outside material to supplement our understanding of the Bible, right? If, if, you, if you're still confused with that, you can go back and watch last week's, I don't have time to get into that. But we love this book, this is a good book. The problem is, I feel like we, what happens every year is we give you four weeks and we talk about how to study your Bible, and then we never actually do it together. And so what we're going to do this month, I'm committed to actually studying this book together and like helping you understand how to do this. So I'm going to give you the six P's of Bible study, and that's just the Baptist in me coming out. I got to get my alliterated points, just boom, 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 the six P's of Bible study, and then I'm going to give you a, an easy Bible study method for three points. So let's just dive into this. That's all the intro I have time for. All right, so we're going to study the Bible. First P, we need to study with purpose. Study with purpose. The question we're asking here, what is the big idea? So I have to put this verse, so in a minute we're gonna go Romans 14, and so I'm gonna use Romans 14 for this analogy. We need to put Romans 14 into the context of the overall story. So we talked last week, the Bible is a unified story that points to Jesus. From Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 21-22 or 22-21, whatever that last verse is, I can't remember off the top of my head, 22-19, something like that. From, Je from Genesis to Revelation, it's a cohesive narrative. It's telling the story about Jesus. And so if we're going to understand our text, we need to put it into the bigger picture because we're going to read Genesis differently than we read Romans, differently than we read the Gospels, etc., etc. So we need to put it into the big picture of the story. Where does this fit into? The, the general moves of the story makes. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. That's the general storyline of Scripture. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. So where does this text go in that big picture? So I'm going to tell you, because we don't have time to do all this work together, Romans 14 fits into this redemption and restoration motif. Mo motif. Motif. So the... The Lord Jesus, he, he, he's ascended from the, from the dead. He's, he's gone into heaven, and he's ruling and reigning over all of creation. And then Paul is writing this letter to the Romans, telling them, hey, here's how we apply the gospel message. Jesus is king of the world, and he's king of your life, and so here's how you're going to live out his kingship. Here's how you're going to bring restoration to your world by living this story out. So that's what's going on in Romans 14. Next, he, we need to study with perspective. Study with perspective. So the question we're asking here, what's the context? 
What's the context? So not just the big picture story, the purpose, but we need to get the perspective of what's the context of this passage. So when we look at Romans 14, you'll notice it's chapter 14. And so if, if you try to pick up a Harry Potter book, and again, I'm not giving you an official church position on Harry Potter. That's just a novel that I happen to read and enjoy. So, right, no, no comment. If you're anti-Harry Potter, I love you. Your parents are anti-Harry Potter. That's good. Listen to them. I, I happen to like the book. But if you, if you pick it up and turn to chapter 14, you're going to be confused because you missed the first 14 chapters. So who's this dude named Harry? Why does he have a scar? Why does he have so much hair? Oh, he doesn't even have hair. That's just his name. But you didn't read chapter 1, and so you missed that. So Romans 14, we have to understand the context of the first 13 and a half chapters of Romans in order to even understand what's going on in Romans chapter 14. So not only the textual context, we also have to understand the historical and the cultural context. So Romans is written to a specific type of people, a group of people living in Rome in the, the 90s. It, and not the 1990s, the 009s. Like the very first 90s that began the 90s. Like the 90s. Their culture is wildly different than ours. And so we're going to understand the words of this text. We need to understand them through the lens of their culture, not ours. Otherwise, we'll make some really big mistakes. So, uh, and again, I'm just going to give you this context. And I'm not going to do it now because we're reading the text. But when we do it, I'll just I'll give this to you. We don't have time to do all this work. Okay, third thing, patience. Study with patience. Study with patience. Take your time as you read this thing. Like, the, the, the biggest thing you can feel like is, man, I just need to read a bunch of Bible. Because, like, I don't know the Bible, so I just need to read a lot. You don't, actually. You can spend, you can take your time, you can go slow. So when I do my Bible study every week, I'll do my whole like personal interview of my Bible study time, like eventually. But like my Bible study method is I do one chapter a week. I go slow. I'm not like rushing. And again, like, you know, I've read the Bible a lot. And so like I can, I can take my time, like study at your pace, figure out what works for you. But how much you study is less important than that you study. It's way more important that you have a regular time of opening the Bible, wrestling with the Lord, and figuring out what does this text say? What does it mean to my life? That's way more important than did you read one chapter, three chapters, five chapters, a whole book. Like, that's cool, but just do it and be patient at it. So it takes time to, to figure out what it means. You don't figure it all out the first time. And so I read Luke right now. It's Luke chapter 2 this week. And so I read Luke chapter 2 for the fourth time this morning. Because I'm trying to grasp what does this, what's going on. And every time I read through it, I'm learning more. I'm understanding more. I'm figuring out more. Again, that's my style. Like, do what works for you. That's just what works for me. Okay, I just realized that this microphone is not on. And so our online viewers are going to have a really terrible time. So I'm going to turn that on right now. My apologies to those of you watching this Thursday morning when this thing drops. Uh, the audio is going to get better right now. Patience. Study with patience. Next P, study with process. Study with process. You need to develop a routine. And so this is maybe the most important of all the P's, like have a process that you go through. I'm a big believer in routines. I'm a big believer in having like a set time. So like have an appointment in your calendar if you need it, but like have a set time that you do it every day. Have a set place that you do it every day. So for me, I'm an early morning guy, and so my alarm goes off at 6, and by 6.30, I'm at my desk in my basement with my tea, and like, I, I got my little light on, like, I'm setting the mood, I'm lighting a candle if I need to, like, do whatever you need to, like, make this routine, but have a process, study with a process, develop this routine, make time in your schedule and set yourself up for success. So if I want to get up at 6 in the morning to start my Bible study, I can't stay out till midnight the night before. And so I make a choice 
almost every day. Wednesdays are tough because you guys keep me out super late. So Thursday morning Bible study is maybe the roughest time of the week. But like, so like last night, I'm hanging out with my family. We're having a great time. We're playing games and I'm making a decision. No, it's 8.30. I need to leave and go home because I need to be in bed soon so that I can get up and have time with the Lord tomorrow morning. And that has to be a priority in my schedule in my life or I'm going to miss it. Have a process, develop a routine. Fifth P, fifth P, study with prayer. Study with prayer. Before, during, after, through the whole process, you need prayer. So this is the doctrine that we call illumination. This is the idea that as we read the Bible, the Holy Spirit helps us understand what it says. And so you cannot read the Bible and understand it on your own, right? You, you, can, like, you can maybe figure out what it literally says, but you are not going to grasp the spiritual truth of Jesus you're not going to grasp the spiritual truth of like redemption in this whole story unless the Holy Spirit is helping you, unless he's opening your eyes to see Jesus in this book, you won't see him. So you need the Spirit's help. So pray before you begin studying. Like pray, Lord, open my eyes. Help me see this. I have like a rote prayer that I say, and I, I'm, I'm a process guy, so I, I say this every, almost every time. Lord, as I open your word, would you open my heart? Help me to, to see you in your word. Give me eyes to see. Give me ears to hear. Give me a mind to understand and a heart that's willing to obey what your spirit has written to the church for all ages. And now, would you apply it to my heart? And like, that's just my thing. I pray that every time. And that's just, I'm a routine guy. You don't have to have the rope prayer, right? You, you don't have to do the thing. Like, whatever your thing is, do that. But pray, pray. As you're studying, pray. Like, gosh, what does this verse mean? Ask the guy who wrote it. So you ask the Lord. Lord, what are you trying to say here? And so I wrestle, I'm working with that, but I'm asking the Lord the whole time. He's opening my eyes. He's helping me read scripture. And then I finish. It's like, okay, that was Luke chapter two. And I'm going to pray, Lord, help me to like apply this to my life. Help me not to like just close the book and then go on. Okay, time to listen to my morning podcast. That's done. Check. But Lord, help me to like live in Luke chapter two, the story of Simeon. So I've been living in this today. The story of Simeon. He, he gives this message that Jesus is going to bring division in the world. That's a hopeful message, right? That's the message we need in 2021. Again, read it in context. And so, we put, but so that's, I'm living in my heart. How is Jesus seeking to divide me from my world? How is Jesus seeking to divide me and, and, and like divide my own life, divide me from my sin? I'm just trying to live in this. Lord, help me do this. So study with prayer. Last thing, study with people. Study with people. The Bible was meant for community. You, you weren't meant to read this book alone. So for all of Christian history, this is where we get this messed up, is we look at kind of our individual selves and we think that I have my me and Jesus time. And that just does not exist in the Bible. There's no biblical concept of you and Jesus having a personal relationship. Like, that's good. Jesus loves you. Like, there's some relationship there. But that's not it. It's not you and Jesus doing your own thing. It's the church and Jesus. And we together, Jesus is, the church is the bride of Christ. You're not the bride of Christ. You feel me? Are, are we tracking here? Like we need to get ourselves out of our little individualistic box and we need to practice our faith in community. The Bible is meant to be read in community. So we come together on a Wednesday night and we read this thing together. We talk about it together. We take time during the week. And so I have, I have a Bible study every week with another person where we right now we're looking at the book of Ephesians and like we're taking our time strolling through the book, but it's us together. And so they'll have insights that I didn't think of. I'll have insights they didn't think of and we play off of each other so this is what we need to study this book in community so that's my that's my sixth piece purpose perspective patience process prayer and people i'm already behind time so i'm going to rush through this next thing we're going to trust the process so and we're going to walk through this process more in depth so i'm just going to kind of give you the blanks 
and, uh, and then we're going we're gonna to run with this. Okay, comprehension. So this is, as we're studying, this is the process, right? I said study with a process. Here's the process I use. Here's the process I'm going to give to you. This is my gift to you. Wow. This is a simple process for how to have a real, actual Bible study and understand what God said and not just make it up for yourself. A lot of times we look at the Bible and we're like, what does this mean to me? Oh, David and Goliath. Who are the Goliaths in my life that the Lord wants to kill? And that's just not how that works. Like, it's a story about David and Goliath. Yeah, it means something for your life. Yeah, God wrote it with a purpose. But you can't just stick yourself into the Bible like that. That's David, not you. I'm going to steal from my favorite guy, Matt Chandler. You're not David. You're not David. So, like, comprehension. What does it actually say? Gosh, I just get on these tangents. Bad. Bad at them. Comprehension. What does it say? And so here's how we do this. We're going to get a printed copy. And so I'm going to give you a printed copy of Romans chapter 14, verse uh, like 3 through whatever. Uh, we'll pass that out in a minute. Because like when you like try to mark up a text, like th these little thin little Bible pages, that's not going to do. So get yourself a big honking copy, like print it out big, and then just start marking that thing up. Annotate it. Like underline the important words. Uh, circle the connective words, like the big important nouns, put a box around them. I'm not telling you, you have to, but whatever method works, like mark this text up so you can actually figure, we're diving in, we want to understand. God is speaking to us, the creator of the universe, and he revealed himself in a book. We have the revealed nature and character of God. Let's figure out what it says. We don't have to guess who God is. We're not like all the other religions, right? We don't, we don't have to guess, we don't have to try to figure out we know he told us. So let's spend some time with this text. Let's figure out who he is. Comprehension. What does it actually say? Interpretation. What does it mean? So we have to, we have to step from, okay, I understand this. So the Bible's hard to understand. And you have to do some work just to figure out, like, what the heck does this book say? Like, it's been around for 2,000 years. It's an old book. It takes some work to figure out what it says. But now it's a whole different question. What does it mean? Because, like, we, we did this already. You can understand the story of David and Goliath. David, short little dude. Goliath, big scary dude. Throw the rock. Goliath dies. That, that's comprehension. We understand what it says. But what does that mean? And, like, we have to, we have to do some work here. Because, like, you're not David. You can't just make it up for yourself. So you need to do some work, figure out what does it mean. That's how we interpret it. So we're, we're going to wrestle with it. And like you're going to think through like, what's the story? What's the context? What's going on? Maybe use some cross-references. Uh, write it out in your own words. This is great. Paraphrase. Like especially when you're working with Paul, when you're working with uh, New Testament letters and authors, just write that thing out and try to say it in your own words. And that'll help you so much. Um, wait. Don't jump to your study notes right away. So like some of you have a study Bible. Wait to jump to the study notes. Spend some time wrestling for yourself. Like, God wants to work in your heart and your life. He wants to reveal himself to you. He already revealed himself to Jen Wilkin or John MacArthur, whoever's writing your study notes. I hope it's not John MacArthur. No, I can't say that. Um, whoever's writing your study notes, the Lord revealed it to them, but he wants to reveal it to you too. And so you need to do some work. Take some time, like spend some time interpreting, figuring out what this means and what, it's, what, it, what it says. So do some work on your own, and then once you've kind of done your work, you kind of have a rough idea, then you can go to your study notes, then you can go to the commentary, then you can text your pastor, all that stuff, but do some work on your own first. The Lord wants to reveal himself to you, and it's so much more fun when you figure it out for yourself versus when someone else just tells you. Okay, comprehension, interpretation, what does it say, what does it mean? Last thing, application. What should I do? So, we, and we have to do this, right? It's not enough just to understand what the text meant when it was written and, and like what it meant to the original audience. Like we need to figure out what do I do with this? Like, okay, Romans 14, 
Don't eat meat sacrificed to idols or do eat meat sacrificed to idols. It's your choice. Do you see any idols around? Like, what are you going to do with that? We need to apply that to our lives and figure out, well, how do we apply this to today? How do we make this make sense? And how do we do this rightly and not just make it up? So comprehension, interpretation, application. What does this text teach me about God? How how does this truth about God change what I view myself? What should I do in response? Okay, I just have to read all my notes, get them all out there. Let's circle up. Let's actually do this. Let's wrestle with Romans a little bit. Okay, so comprehension, interpretation, application. And we want to try to do this with this passage from Romans. This is kind of a more entry-level passage. It's not too difficult, so you're not going to need to cross-reference a ton. We can kind of figure it out from what's written on the page. And here, here, I'll just start with this. I'm not here to, like, listen to you give me the right answers. Um... I'm not going to say there are no right answers because there are right answers. There are wrong answers, right? There is a right and wrong for reading the Bible. We've talked about this, but I'm not going to, I want to hear us talk. We're going to work together and try to figure out what this thing says. I I believe and I know that there's no like senior Bible, junior Bible, senior God, junior God. The same God that like works in my life is the God working in your life. And so you are not incapable of understanding the Bible. You are not incapable of studying the Bible. So we're going to work this together. So first, let's just try to comprehend what does this say? What is it? What's going on? So first step of comprehension, let's read it out loud a couple times. So any reading volunteers? Nate is going to read it. Someone else want to read it? We'll get like two or three going. Ari, Amy. All right. You, I see your like, finger flicking. All right. Anyone else want to read? Like, 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 where are we at? We're just trying to read this thing. Okay. So we'll read four times. And we're just going to do it over and over. And so as we're reading, like we're marking with our pens. And so like if there's a word that stands out to you, you can underline it. However you kind of want to mark this thing up. But like we're, we're, we're not listening to them read. We're actively reading with them. And we're like, okay, therefore, that's a good word. Um, what word? Oh, hindrance. That's a weird word. Like kind of just we want to mark this thing up. Okay? If everyone marks therefore and hindrance, I'm going to slap you. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, Josh, why don't you start us off? And just read kind of out loud slowly. And as we're reading, we're just marking. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. But by what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by man. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have keeps between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because he is eating not from faith, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. All right. That's excellent. Hopefully you found some marks, had some stuff stand out. We're going to do that again. 
And now you can make more marks. What we want to do is we want to try to understand what's the argument Paul's making. So when we read the Bible, we're not just, it's not just like a list of laws and truths, but there's like arguments that the dude's making. He's trying to tell us something about what like eating laws, like eating food. Like, so we want to figure out what is this actually saying? What's the message that Paul's trying to say? So Ari's going to read it out loud. And as she reads it, we're going to go again. We're just marking. We're trying to figure out what does this thing say? Pastor, do you need something? No. Okay, cool. Go, go, go ahead, Ari. Let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine, or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Awesome. Okay, maybe you found some more marks. Hopefully you're maybe understanding this a little bit more. Uh, Amy's going to read it out loud for us. And as you do, I'll just give you another thing to maybe look for. Uh, one great way to kind of figure out what's the argument is repeated words. So like if you listen to a speech, when you listen to someone talk, like a lot of times people repeat the word that's important or the thoughts that are important. So if you start seeing like, I noticed the word destroy shows up a couple times. That's a weird word to repeat. Like maybe he's trying to make a point there. So I'm like highlighting destroy and I'm highlighting destroy. So like if you notice repeated words, those kinds of things, tag them and note them and we'll talk through it. Amy, go for it. Okay, so we're going to think through it. And now Nate's going to read it one more time. As he's reading it, we want to try to construct in our heads the big picture. What's the argument that Paul's making? What's he trying to say? And see if we can just summarize it in our head. What's the big picture? And we'll talk and see if we can do this on the page. Nate, go for it. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, 
but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by man. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upliftment. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not for the faith. For whoever does not proceed from faith is sin. Excellent. Thank you for the dramatics. I appreciate that. And actually, when this letter was first read, it was read out loud by someone giving kind of a dramatic performance. So I was trying to like Thanks for giving us some authenticity. Oh, there you go. I like that. I like that. Emphasizing what he... Okay, so can we like get some thoughts on what is Paul actually saying and what's the argument? Ideas. Yeah. Uh, is it except anyone, no matter what they do, So I think that's a good thought, but that's moving to like interpretation. So like you're trying to make it broader and like don't, that's a good thought. And I think there's some accuracy to what you're saying, but we want to kind of take this step back and just like, what is he saying here? Does that make sense? So let's just save that thought. When we get to interpretation in a minute, that's a great point. But let's save that thought for what's he saying here? Um, do not cut others to stumble. Okay. How? Um, by not passing judgment. Okay. Everyone's accepted by Christ, that, um, obviously, so just accept them. You know, not like if they're vegan, kind of like it's about. Okay, so we're bringing it to food specifically. So let me give you a piece of context here that might help put some pieces together because we have to read in perspective. So Paul is writing to a group of Christians who are divided over food laws. So Christianity begins as this kind of Jewish faith, and the Jews have really strong rules about what is and isn't allowed to be eaten. So they have rules on you can't eat this meat, you can't eat that meat. And it's really important to them that you don't eat pork, you don't eat shellfish, there's like all these rules. And now, people who aren't raised in Judaism are coming to know Christ, and they were raised eating pork, like they love them some bacon. They're raised eating all kinds of meats and all kinds of stuff, and they're like, hey, what's up? Like, I'm just enjoying my food. And so the Jewish Christian's like, hey, you're not a real Christian because you're eating pork. And these guys are like, whoa, why are you judging me? I'm just enjoying my food. We're here for Jesus. So that's kind of the bigger context in Paul's writing to address that kind of divide. So, other thoughts. What's Paul saying here to those Christians in that situation? 
All these thoughts have been good so far, by the way. I see the hand. I want to see if someone else wants to interject, too. Go for it, Dom. Um, do you not for the sake of food destroy the work of God? Okay. What does that mean to Paul when he's saying it to these people? Yeah. Like, say, you say the Jews are are, are not eating pork and I'm eating pork. Uh, don't like say I don't want to be like hang out with you because you're okay. Yeah. And then like that's exactly right. I'm I'm gonna cut you off. So that's exactly right. Um, and there, that's, that's one command. So Paul has two commands here, though. So that's one. He's saying, to the, he's saying to the Jews, don't cut off the Gentiles because they're eating pork. But he has a second command in here to the Gentiles. Um, what's the command that he's giving to those Gentiles? I want to see if someone else wants to jump in. Otherwise, I'll give it to you. All right, Don, go ahead. Uh, I think he's saying it is good to not eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. Okay, so what's his, so put that in your own words for us. Okay. So that's the command. Someone want to put that kind of into modern English, something we can understand? So there's two commands. Jews, don't judge the Gentiles for what they eat. Like, you're all part of the same Jesus. Like, chill. And then Jew, or Gentiles, you could maybe just not eat the pork when you're around the Jews because it really offends them and it's not a big deal. So, like, maybe lay off. And then there's a big point that he's making in the middle of that of, like, the reason I'm asking you to do this, and, and, and Dom said it right earlier. I'll, I'll see if you can go back to it. There, there was, like, a big point for why. Why are we... Why not eat? Why eat? What's the point? Because uh, if you judge other people, you'll separate and you guys won't be like, friends hanging out. Exactly. So Paul's message to this church is, hey, you're getting divided over what you're eating. And you don't need to because you can like just focus on Jesus. You're united by Jesus. You don't need to be divided by food. So do you guys understand how we got to this, got to this conclusion? We read it. We kind of figured out. And so... I'll just walk through what Dom did because he gave us some really good answers. So first, he kind of put in his own words. He looked for the significant like points. And so one significant point was, hey, um, if, if your brothers grieve about what you're eating, you're no longer walking in love. And so that, that was one point that he pulled out. And then he pulled out the other point of, hey, everything's clean. Um, and so then he, he worked around that and got to what's Paul saying? And then he found this, this big unifier. We kind of understanding how we, how we did that, what that process was. Is anyone like totally lost? Like how, where did you pull that out from? And it's okay if like your hand needs to go up here. Like that's not, there's no shame. 
Little bit, little bit. Okay, um, that's cool. I'm gonna keep moving, but it's cool to recognize that and like we can talk afterwards if you wanna keep like diving in, but I wanna respect our time. But thanks for being honest. Like that's, that's totally cool. This isn't like, it's good to like learn this process and just get involved. Um, so let's now, that's comprehension. We understand what it says. And now let's try to take the next step to interpretation. What does it mean? And specifically to the original audience. So let's, let's wait to say, what does it mean for my life and your life? But let's say, what does it mean for these guys? And we've already kind of done that a little bit. Let's crystallize that a little bit more. How, let's interpret this. What does this mean to the Gentiles and the Jews hearing this text? What's the big picture like point? Like if you're just going to summarize this into one big point. What's the, what's the truth? What's the point? Ethan. Yeah, I think, I think that's exactly right. And can we take that a little bit further? Why? Because uh, in verse 15 it says, For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. Okay, okay. That's exactly there. Anyone want to add on to that? Add another layer or an angle? Because there's kind of multiple angles you can go from. Go for it. Ooh, that's a good point. So you guys see the value of like reading in community? Like she just brought that up and like I wasn't thinking that. Y'all weren't thinking that because I know you guys are like ooing over there. So like that's powerful. It's so valuable to read this together and say those are both fantastic points. So so let, let's summarize those again. What was yours? Uh, first your brother is grieved by what you eat. You are no longer walking in love. Okay, so the big point was, uh, I don't want to put the words in your mouth. So your big point was... Don't divide over food. What was it? Don't judge someone for what they eat because you're destroying the kingdom. Wow, guys, you did that. Like, I didn't say anything there. Like, we, we did this together and we figured that out. Okay, we got five minutes. Let's try to apply this. But what we're going to do now, we have the big points. So let's write that down. Um, so and you can just write this at the top or wherever. I'm going to write it at the top of my page. And I'm going to say... Don't judge people, or I'm going to say don't judge each other. For what you eat, or else you'll destroy the kingdom of God. And that's my words. If you want to put that in your own words, that's totally cool. And I'm going to add one more just so we can keep moving and, and get kind of a, a full picture. I, I think the, another point that Paul's making is um, don't force someone else to put up with your food because otherwise you're going to destroy the kingdom of God. Be willing to sacrifice your, your pleasure. So how do I want to say that? Um, uh, you could say if I accept other people's ways of living. Okay. What if we just say, don't insist on your own way? That's how I'm going to say it. You can write your own thing, though. I'm going to say, don't insist on your own way. Actually, I'm going to change it to culture, because I think that's more here, and that's going to be more relevant for us. Like, don't insist on your own culture, or else you'll destroy the kingdom of God. Or else you're destroying, I guess.
Okay. Guys, that was huge. That was super good. I was not sure if we'd be able to make it through all this stuff. And we just waded through 10 verses and like we got a solid point out of there. Okay, let's take this last step. So we've, we've comprehended, we understood what it said to them, we've interpreted, we know what it means. Let's try to apply this to our lives. So like we aren't like worried about meat. Like we have some Jews here who don't eat pork and sometimes they do, but like, um, you ate pork, it was in the lawn yet. I, we talked about this. Yeah. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> so, with the exception of Ari, like most of us, we're not as we're not so worried about like eating stuff. But how could we apply this to our lives today and apply this to our culture and our world? Go for it. Okay. Okay, that's a solid application point. So scripture has one interpretation. There's only one thing this thing can mean. We can't give it 15 million interpretations, but it has tons of applications. And so we can just keep on going with these. Like this is a truth. And now truth is going to bear its weight in our lives. And it's going to create all sorts of ripples. It's like a stone you throw into a pond. You throw that out and there's just all kinds of ripples that go out. That stone is only one stone. There's only one truth this passage teaches. You can't make it say 15 things. But once you throw that stone in, there's going to be 15 million ripples that go out. So that's one. Let's let this just ripple out into our lives. What other applications can we make from this truth? Um, I, when I did this study, I did verse 19. So like, uh, I just put like, pursue peace because it like, verse 19 says, so then let us pursue, pursue what makes for peace and for mutual building, uh, building. So just like, pursue peace and encouragement. How? Okay. Encouraging, just being there, even if you don't agree with people. Like, uh, Amber's very good at this. Like, even if he doesn't agree with you on certain things, he'll go, he'll still not like just shun you out of the conversation. He'll still engage and talk for sure. about it. For sure. One of you guys had something over here. Um, I think part of the application is also um, being conscious of other people's boundaries. Um, just from like the Gentile perspective, also myself. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> just from the Gentile perspective, they have to be um, conscious of boundaries with meat and eating meat and so um yeah so they have to like take that into account in their lives and so sometimes we'll come across people who have different boundaries than us um they dress differently they speak differently than us um and some things we can do might be offensive to them and so we have to be conscious of those things mm -hmm. and in order to pursue peace like josh was talking about we have to um just adjust to accommodate some things um yeah, so we're not adjusting truth, but we are adjusting the way we act and the way we live because we want to create peace with others. I'll, I'll shoot my own application in. So um, this is kind of a, a controversial, but kind of semi-controversial. So the language we use, right? In our culture right now, for all of you guys, it's really acceptable to say a lot of things. And just, and I'm not going to list the whole things of things people say, but like for you guys, like you're in school and it's cool and you don't have any problem with it. And I'm not trying to tell you whether it's, I'm not trying to go there. I'm not trying to open that can. But there's a whole other culture in our, in our world for which like that's just so incredibly and terribly offensive. And so I'll like go low level. And so there's a pastor a number of years ago who would regularly say hell and damn in his sermons. And it like created all this uproar and stir in cultural 
problems because he's a pastor and he's saying words that for one culture are unacceptable. So if I'm going to apply this verse to him, and I'm not going to name names or anything, but I'd say, so maybe he should look at this verse and say, maybe I can cut back the language that I use a little bit because it's really offensive to some people. I don't think it's that offensive. I don't really have a problem with it, but it's not about me. It's about you. And so for your lives, my parents might be really offended by some of the things I say and like, who cares whether it's right or wrong? Like they're offended. And so I'm going to pull back on some of those words that I say, because I'm not trying to offend people and upset people. I might think it's fine, but I don't want to offend people, upset people with my mouth. And then for some people in that pastor's congregation, maybe they'd recognize and say, well, there's some people in this room who don't have my culture and they're used to that kind of talk. And for them, it helps them understand and, and relate. So what you'll notice here is there's not a really hard, like right and wrong line here. There's not, like Paul doesn't say what words you can and can't say or what words you should and shouldn't say. Instead, he gives us a principle. He says, you need to apply this principle in grace and love to create peace in your world. So as we apply the Bible, what we'll find is the Bible is a lot less interested in giving us yes and no binary systems. It's a lot more interested in giving us a truth and having us apply that truth to our world and let it just ripple out. And so in my life, like when I was in college at, at like 19, I did not care about language. I, I like, I'd swear like a sailor. And I was like, save dude, like going into ministry. And I'm not telling you that's okay. Like this is, that's a whole separate conversation, right? That was just, that was, I'm just telling my story. That was my life. My buddy, Alex, a lot of you guys have met Alex. He was terribly like offended whenever I'd use that language. And we were good buddies. And so we like talk a lot and he was just so upset. And so like I changed the language that I used because I'd rather have this friendship and this relationship and I don't want to freak him out with the words that I say. And so I'm going to cut back the language. And that ended up being this really transformational thing in my life that I no longer use that language because I realized how offensive and like just problematic it is for other people, what a bad self-image it gives me. So I've cut back and that's how I've applied this truth. Again, whether or not this is right or wrong, that's a separate conversation. That's how I've applied this. Let's see if we can get one more application. Does anyone else have an application they want to give or shoot out? Any other thoughts, closing ideas, burning things to say? No, my thought is just don't judge another human, period. Don't judge another human being, period. Okay. Yeah. Don't judge people. And I think that's a pretty good application because, and, and I think the, the biggest application of this text, and I'll close with this and we'll pray and get out of here. Like the biggest application is our lives are centered around Jesus. And so the kingdom of God, verse 17, I like, I think this is the central argument of this passage. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so I think there is an element where we don't necessarily judge people, but Jesus does come and bring some division to our world. Jesus does kind of give a standard of truth. And if you're not willing to conform to his standard, there's going to be some judgment on you. But the judgment isn't on practice. The judgment isn't on life and lifestyle. The judgment is on your heart. Is your life and your heart focused on following Jesus, focused on righteousness, peace, and joy in the spirit? Or it, 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 is it, fo or yeah, I guess, what's your focus? Your focus is righteousness, peace, joy, not on cultural practice and, and personal behavior and attitude. We don't divide over those things. We unite around Jesus. And people who don't, like, who people who aren't willing to follow Jesus, that's where the division comes. The division comes around Jesus, not around cultural and social practices. Great work, guys. That was awesome. Like, we exegeted this passage. This is like what I do when I write a sermon is I go through all those points. And like, we just together wrote a sermon on Romans chapter 14. So give yourselves a 
round of applause. Give yourselves a little pat on the back. You guys did awesome. Like, that was super good. I'm gonna pray. Does anyone wanna pray? Any volunteers? All right, you wanna pray? Go for it. Amen. Jesus, Jesus. You, are you are better, better than, anything than anything in this world. In this world. Love you guys. Have a good night. Great work. Study your Bibles. Bye.